0: Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I want us to read the story of David. I love the story of David. David was overlooked. David was a shepherd boy. And it's amazing to me how God used someone like David, who the Bible says had a heart after God to radically change the world. Second Samuel chapter 5, I want us to learn from David today, verses 17 through 20. It says this, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David required, inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? The Lord said to David, go up for our doubtless. I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there, and he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. Now, I know this is an ancient old story, that at first glance, you might not see how it can relate into your life. But I bet to argue with you that many of us in this room, if not all of us, will be able to relate to this passage today. And I want to preach to you from the title. I've already sent it out. Anybody know what it is? Shout it out. You don't sound very convincing. Why don't you shout my my title today? Why don't you just shout it again? If the person next to you is not saying it, why don't you look at them real funny and just shout it in their face because they really need a breakthrough. Let's just say it again. I need a breakthrough. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, we come with an anticipation today for you to to move in our life. For you to move in the situations that we've walked in here carrying today. Situations that may be on the outside that people may know, but... God, what about also the situations that are on the inside? The things that nobody knows about. The things that we've kept in secret. The things that have begun to deteriorate the very foundation of our faith. God, we ask that you would speak to us today. Let us find rest in you. Let us find hope in you. Let us find your peace and your joy. And God, I also pray that salvation would come to those who don't know you. And that through today's message, Father, that your, your word would saturate our hearts. That it would saturate our soul. And that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Amen. Give someone a hug before you take a seat. To help understand what's going on in this passage, I want to give a little context of what's happening up until this point, because we've now arrived in David's life up until a point that if you don't know his context, if you don't know the story, it may be hard to understand how he got here. But You see, by this time, David, we are seeing where he has received his third anointing. To me, I thought he was just anointed as a boy. No, he actually received three anointings. We see David's first anointing in 1 Samuel chapter 16, where he was a young man and Samuel, the prophet, anointed him for his destiny. This is when his own father overlooked him. When all of his other brothers got pulled up to the line to say, yes, pick one of these to be the king. David was still in the field. His dad didn't even bring him up. To the prophet, but yet even in a moment where he felt overlooked, where he was unseen, in a moment where, where no one thought he was worth it, God said, I'll wait till he gets here. And he was finally anointed to be king. That was his first anointing as a teenager. And guess what he does? He goes right back to the shepherd field. Then we get to 2 Samuel chapter 2, about 15 or so years later, where we see David's second anointing. Now this was his anointing of kingly rulership. And so now we've arrived at 2 Samuel chapter 5, where David receives his third anointing. And that was the anointing to possess the best. So now the Philistines have heard that David's been anointed, and now they're seeking out to destroy David. David's already conquered them once, so but they're coming back again, and now they want to destroy him, and they've set up camp in the valley of Rephaim. It's a Hebrew term for basically literally meaning the valley of giants. It's ironic that he already defeated the giant with God's help, and now they're going back to the valley of giants. And there's something I want you to understand in your life, and that is this. With new anointing comes new opposition. Here's another way to say it that may be a little more catchy. New levels, new devils. Like like we all want the anointing, right? How many want God's anointing on your life? Raise your hand. I hope you're raising your hand. We all want the anointing. We all want God to anoint us for a purpose. We all want God to anoint us for his plan and for a destiny. We want God to provide his blessings over our life. But the truth is, we don't want the opposition. We all in this boat. We've got to understand that with a higher calling comes a greater responsibility. In other words, more money in the bank is more bills to pay. Sounds great. Here's another way. A bigger house comes with more rooms to clean or more rooms to destroy, depending on where you're at in the season of life you're in with kids. More leadership comes with greater problems to solve. So we have to understand that even Scripture begins to describe this to us. It says, to whom much is given, much is given. Acquired. And too many times we want Goliath's head, but we don't even want to tend the sheep. We want to be king, but we won't even bring our brothers some bread and cheese. Father and more. So we've come to this point in David's life where he is now faced with tremendous Opposition. And he now is having to face the Philistines who are coming after him in the valley of giants. And I want you to notice what what David does first and foremost, when he finds out that the Philistines are coming after him. It says first that he says that he inquired of the Lord first. He asked him, God, do I need to go up there to the Philistines? Are you going to deliver them into my hand? He's asking God first what he thinks. But you see, many times when we are faced with a giant or a decision or a situation, I have found I find this all the time when I'm talking to people. I have found that they've suddenly even asked God first what he thought. They haven't even yet inquired of God. God, what do I need to do in this situation? And we try to decide for ourselves what we think is best rather than ask God what he thinks. And I think that his way may be a little bit better. Let me just get you in a little bit of a secret. You see, I'm sure David already knew what God was going to say. David's been here before. He's already inquired of God. He's already been out to set out to conquer, to be king. And all these things have happened. But, but David wanted to hear and he needed to hear God tell him what he needed to do. Because remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how you grow. And so the word of the Lord for David, we read it very plain and simple, was go up. God told him to go. I'm with you. I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hand. Like doubtless. Like no doubt in my mind. There's no no worry or concern. Go up, he said. And I believe that the very same word of the Lord that David received from God is the same word of the Lord that some of you need to receive today, and that is go. Go, because God is telling you, I will surely deliver restoration in your marriage, that I will surely deliver healing to your depression. Go, for I will surely deliver purpose in your life. God said go. But what does that mean? Reading this is is very easy to look at and be like, well, what does that even mean? Go literally means it's time to get to work. Work, 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 work. Yes, I'm. I don't know what word work means in that song, but I'm just telling you, sometimes you need to hear it over and over. It's going to take some work. For you to see your breakthrough. Because James 2 tells us, I love the book of James, because if you want to get set straight, just go read James. James will tell you like it is. James will get all up in your business. James, James will say, I got like steel toe shoes on and you barefoot and I'm going to let you know. Because James 2 tells us that faith without. is dead. Faith without works is dead. You see, you can have faith for your marriage to be restored, but if you don't work on it. Oh, God, I need you to heal my marriage. And you go right back out speaking to her the same way you spoke to when you went in there. God, I need you to heal my kids. And every time they come around you, you don't want them around. Restore my relationship with my kids, God please. But every time they're around, you push them out the door. A lot of times we we ask for, for God to help us to be an example and God to give us a purpose in our life and God to do something in our life, but we want our kids to love Jesus, but yet we don't even set the example in front of them. Now tell them I'm not here. Go answer the door. Tell them tell them tell them we're not here. Yeah, like a three year old sat at the house by themselves. Like come on. And we. Don't even set the example. We want our kids to love God, but we only attend church every now and then. And so when we wonder why when they graduate from high school and the statistic of over 80% of students when they graduate high school fall away from their faith, we wonder why. Because we haven't set in them the roots and the foundation and been the example when when things go crazy in our life, who do we turn to? We turn to other things rather than turning to Jesus. And we wonder why they're turning to their friends and they're turning to other people rather than turning to God and his church, which should be the safest place for them to go. We want that breakthrough. What are we doing to see it? What I'm trying to tell you is if you want to see God do a miracle, if you want God to do and have a breakthrough in your life, it's going to require an investment on your part. We get to play a part in it. It's going to require some work, some blood, sweat and tears. I'll say it this way. You can't pray for something you're not willing to pay for. We love to pray for God to do something. but We don't want any part in it. We want God to do all the work. You can do all the praying you want to and lock yourself in your prayer closet in a room for days on end. And for some of us, that might be the best thing that could happen in our life. Lock yourself away for the next six hours and just pray and just listen. That might be the best thing for your spiritual rock right now. But let me tell you, if you come out of that prayer closet, you better be ready to put your hands to the plow. You can't just pray for something and not expect to have your faith to be works in action towards it. And Many times we're wanting God to build something. But God is wanting to build something in you before he will do something for you. There's things that he wants to develop in you before you will see the miracle that he wants to do for you. It's like people winning the lottery. If they don't know how to contain it, if they don't know how to hold it, if they don't have the right foundation, they don't know how to keep it, and then they end up going bankrupt and their life ends up going to nothing and they lose it all because they haven't built in the character, they haven't built in the strength, the determination, they haven't built in the the discipline to handle the miracle. You see, David does something else in this passage, and I believe it's what's important for us as we're facing situations in in our life and that was David decides to call the valley by a new name. No longer would he call this valley the valley of Rephaim, the valley of giants, in other words, a place where his problems looked so big and he felt so small. Instead, he said he was going to change the name. And call it Baal Perizim, which you know what it literally means. It means the God who would master a breakthrough. He changed the name of the valley from Valley of Giants to the Master of Breakthroughs. And I believe that it's time that we follow the steps of David David, and we rename our valleys. Because too often we're focusing on the wrong thing. Did you know that our God is a master of breakthroughs? Did you know that? Did you know that God loves giving you a breakthrough in your life for his people when there seems to be no way out? Go look through Scripture. You will find it time and time again where God's like, I, I'm ready to do it for you. And God gets the, the, the Israelites out of Egypt time and time again, sets his people free. God is the master of breakthroughs. But We have to understand before you can conquer it, you must first rename it. And I don't mean just rename something so you can lie to yourself about it and try to cover something up. You can't rename your sin to fit your conscience. I'm going to take a water because somebody needs to think about that statement for a minute. You cannot rename your sin just so you feel good. In order for you to conquer your valley of giants. You're going to have to first rename it because when you do a new perspective begins to take hold. It begins to be a shift in your way of thinking in your mentality and the way that you perceive it. Your focus begins to change on the situation. If you only think of the negative, then that's all that's ever going to be. It's like in fitness and when you're on a diet, which, you know, the first three letters is something that I really don't care to do when it's called a diet just want to die. Some of y'all that didn't take hooked on phonics. But if I am trying not to eat sweets, which I am, and I walk into a moment where I am craving something specifically, donuts, and all I can think about is don't eat the donut in the store with my kids. Just don't eat the donut, Nate. Don't eat the donut. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. Then I turn into like Spongebob, it's like, I need it. (laughs) It's like, I don't need it. And then he yells out, how many of y'all seen that Spongebob? 1990s kids, come on, come on. Maybe 2000s, I don't know. But if we're constantly focusing on the wrong thing, then, then when we wanna move forward, all we can think of is the negative. And so what we end up doing is we're thinking about don't eat the donut, don't eat the donut, but what do we end up doing? eating the donut because that's all we're talking about rather than talking about something completely different so when you call your giant or valley by the struggle or by your pain then that's all you're ever going to see so it's going to be constantly in front of you so if you're constantly waking up in the morning or going throughout your day and saying my marriage is a mess and guess what it's going to continue to be a mess If you keep saying my career is over, my job sucks. Can you say that in church? I just did like. Then guess what? It's going to. If you keep telling yourself, there's no way I'm going to get through this situation. Then guess what? You're not. You're not going to get through it because you keep calling it by the valley of the giants. And you got to learn what Romans says, and that is to call those things which are not as though they were. And you begin to speak life into your situation, not renaming something that you're just trying to cover up, renaming it so you can see a new perspective, a new shift in your life. And once you rename your valley, you will begin to set the foundation for the faith that you need to endure the process in which you are going to overcome it. See your breakthrough. So we have to understand that the enemy, the devil, is wanting to resist your progress in the things of God. He will do anything he can to stop your process, to slow it down, to resist you, to keep you held back. And he utilizes a stronghold strategy to keep you held back. And you see, the devil doesn't just try to resist you. He doesn't try to resist you every step of the way. I want you to know this. Like he's actually willing to allow you to gain some ground and he'll retreat for a time. And then at the right spot, At the right moment, he'll establish a stronghold that you're about to come up on to oppose you from making further progress. This is why there are times in your life when everything is good. Your marriage is good. Your kids are great. They're loving God. Finances are great. All these things can be happening great in your life. And then all of a sudden you feel like you've run into a wall and it seems like it's impossible to go further. Isn't it crazy how that happens? You're like, God, life was so great. Why did it change? Everything was fine. You were going to the gym. You were eating healthy. For like two days, the January 2nd it stopped. You were taking your vitamins and you were taking your supplements. You, you even had a trainer. And all of a sudden, you're on this road trip and you're starving and you're in the middle of the west, northern west Texas with there ain't Nothing. And all of a sudden, oh, look and behold, a donut shop. (laughs) Y'all know it. Y'all been there? How could anything survive out here? Like, there ain't nobody for like 25,000 miles, yet there's a donut shop. They smart. They know. (laughs) You see, when you're at your weakest point, Satan just slides right in there to throw you off course. And you encounter the stronghold that gets a hold of you. And I believe for some of you, this is exactly where you are. You feel as if you can't take another step forward. How am I going to move forward? And Satan has attempted to build a stronghold in your life. He's attempted to build it in your finances. He's attempted to build it in your career, in your prayer life, your marriage, your health, your family. But I want to stand here today And I want to declare that any stronghold that is keeping you from a breakthrough must fall in the name of Jesus. That Satan, you must step aside because you have no authority over the people of God, that we are children of the most high and we are covered in the blood of Jesus. I want everyone to just stand all across the room today. Even if you're online, wherever you're at, I want you just to stand. Because I believe that right now, God wants to give someone a breakthrough. That he wants to show you Something that maybe you've been praying for a long time. Maybe it's a breakthrough from judgment to forgiveness. Maybe it's a breakthrough from death to life. Maybe it's a breakthrough from sickness to healing, chaos to peace, addiction to sobriety, bitterness to thankfulness, sorrow to joy, darkness to light, brokenness to wholeness, failure to restoration, whatever it is. I believe that God wants to give a breakthrough to some people today. How many of you need God to move in your life right now? I'm reminded of this story in John chapter 5. And I want to read this story for a moment. And then what I want us to do is we're going to, I've set aside time in my, my sermon to set aside a time of prayer. Because if you're in need of a breakthrough today, that we wanna stand in agreement with you and we wanna believe, that in the name of Jesus, that those strongholds are gonna fall, that we're gonna rename that valley and we're gonna see breakthroughs in your marriages, we're gonna see breakthroughs in your careers, we're gonna see breakthroughs in your families, we're gonna see breakthrough in that addiction, we're gonna see breakthrough in that depression, we're gonna see breakthrough in that anxiety, we're gonna see breakthrough in that chaos. This story in John chapter five, says this, it says here there was a great number of disabled people who used, who used to lie, the, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid, had been disabled, had been had an issue, had a, had, a, had a thing going on in his life for 38 years. When Jesus showed up on the scene and saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time and he asked him. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Jesus didn't ask him, do you want to feel better? He asked him, do you want to get well? There's a difference. And you see so often you can come to church just to feel better and not allow yourselves to feel well and to get well. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. We can come to church for comfort and never leave changed. You want a breakthrough? Maybe I could be like James' step cousin or something today. But that's what the pool of Bethesda represented a place of comfort, being around other people who had similar issues, thereby feeling more normal in your dysfunction. Yeah, think about that. You see, some of us come to church and we get just enough to feel better, but we really don't truly get well just enough to just feel comfortable i think i'm okay with god so i'm good instead of experiencing true breakthrough to get well but i believe that you came here today not just to get better you came here today to get well how many of you need jesus to make you well today so i want to call our prayer team to the front today i want us to dim the lights and we're going to worship for a moment This prayer team has been prayed up. They're ready to go. They're ready to stand in agreement with you. And if you want to go get your kids out of kids' ministry and you want to bring them and pray with your family, they're ready to do that too. Our whole teams are ready. We've been talking about this for the last 24 hours in depth. And we want to pray with you. And we want to anoint you with oil with what what Scripture says. And we're going to believe today for a breakthrough. We're going to pray that where you find sickness, that in Jesus' name, there will be healing. That where your career may be in utter chaos, that you would find peace and restoration. And that God wouldn't just change the circumstance, but that he would change us. That he would change us in the breakthrough. That he would do what he wants to do in us before he can do it for us. So maybe for some of us today, it's God changing our perspective. And that's where our breakthrough begins. Maybe for some of us today, is being grateful for what God has already given you instead of being complacent. Be great or content. Be, be grateful for what God is doing in your life. Maybe today it's just changing your perspective from bitterness to thankfulness. Whatever it is, we're going to worship for the next several minutes. Our ushers are ready. We're going to form lines. And we're going to begin to pray for you. We're going to believe for a breakthrough. How many are ready to see God do a breakthrough in your life? You ready to see him move in your life? So we're going to begin to sing, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to pray. We'll pray a a corporate prayer over all those that are prayed for today. But let's just take this time. This isn't a time to just skip out. This isn't a time to just go out and leave. Let's press into what God has for us today. Can we do that? Can we press in for the move of God to happen in our situations? Can we stand in agreement with our fellow brothers and sisters? And maybe you're not facing something where you're in need of a desperate breakthrough, but there are people in this room that their life may be hanging on by a thread, that their marriage may be so broken and shattered, and they may need you to just stretch your hand out and rest out your faith to them and believe with them for God to restore their situation. Come on, let's begin to sing. Let's begin to get out of the out of our seats and make our way down the aisle let's seek the face of god